Well, welcome to Grant's Interest Rate Observer of the Air. I am Jim Grant, and with me as always is uh, Eric Whitehead. To my left, he is the uh, engineer. And uh, oh, there's Evan Lorenz, the great Evan Lorenz, deputy editor of Grant's, and uh, Phil Grant, the uh, proprietor of Almost Daily Grant's. And directly across from me is Montana Skeptic. Hey, Montana. Pleasure pleasure to be here. Thank you. Yeah, we have had uh, Montana's cousin, Connecticut credulist, on before. <laughs> the guy believes anything. I regret I, I yeah. missed him. but I've... Thanksgiving dinner must be a trial at your place. Um, anyway, I, I'm going to introduce uh, Montana as he chooses to be introduced. He is a man of parts. He manages a, a billion dollars and more for a family office, bonds, equities, hedge funds, what have you. He is a Yale-trained lawyer who practiced for some 30 years, although I, I'm going to, I think it's a typo. I'm going to guess perhaps 10 years, judging by your youthful countenance. Would that it were. Yeah. And uh, so he comes to us uh, through the law and through the uh, through uh, a certain mindset, as is evident in his nom de, uh, not plume exactly, but nom de tweet. And uh, I see that his uh, symbol, his the, uh, the, the individual and the spirit that uh, animates him and is posted is uh, Galileo. And, uh, and so it moves, said Galileo. And, and Montana, this stock called Tesla, it too moves, right? Is, is it moving in the right direction? It moves and it levitates and levitates endlessly. And uh, there is no right or wrong. It's utterly detached from any metric we have ever been familiar with, save the insane metric of endless QE and ZERP for the past few years. And uh, So you're bearish, are you? <laughs> That's a great question. I am cautious right now because <laughs> Tesla is aiming to have a supernova Q3, and it's in desperate condition. It's running out of cash, burning cash quickly. Its Model 3 has run into production problems, and um, it faces a wall of death with the expiration of the full federal income tax credit, which is given to our very wealthiest taxpayers so that they can buy these $100,000 plus cars. And so it's aiming, it really needs to raise capital. And I think it's aiming to do that in Q3. And I think that poses risks for investors right yeah. now. Well, Evan Lorenz, you watch the bonds. What are the, uh, how are the bonds trading these days? The last I looked, they're in the mid 80s. So uh, Montana, is the bond market the more correct judge of the credit worthiness and the investment merits of Tesla? Or is the stock market see something the bond market simply can't comprehend? Well, the, obviously the bond and stock markets inhabit different universes. In my judgment, the bond market is almost as exuberant as the stock market. For those bonds to be trading even in the 80s is crazy. I wouldn't touch them in the 50s or the 40s. Those are the eight-year 5.3 percenters that went out last August. Yeah. David Abrams, a very accomplished investor years and years ago during the junk bond boom of the 80s, he said that 91 is a temporary price for a junk bond. Uh, it uh, will either revert to par or it will go to uh, something a little less dignified, say 20s or 30s or something. But 80-something seems to be an interim stop for these securities. I think I subscribe fully to that. I think in a year from now, you're going to see a very different price on those bonds. You know, a man not unrelated to uh, Phil Grant and to me is Charlie Grant, who writes for the Wall Street Journal, who, who writes about Tesla and heard on the street. Now, do you have anything nice to say about Charlie as long as we're... I'll try to think hard of nice things to say about Charlie. No, I enjoy his work a lot. I enjoy his great sense of humor. And like anyone who is a bit skeptical about Tesla, he takes lots of incoming at Twitter and yeah. elsewhere and takes it in, in good stride and spirit. And you know, What we should do, Montana, for the, for the listeners who have not so deeply immersed in the Tesla story as uh, so many of us are, if you would kindly lay out the basic case as you see it, the basic case against this uh, levitating equity. Okay. The basic case is this. For six years, Tesla has owned totally 
owned in a monopolistic way the luxury EV market with its first its roadster to introduce things, but the Model S followed by the Model X with its famous gullwing falcon wing doors and making these cars and having absolutely no competition at the high end and relying heavily on endless subsidies. It has managed to lose record amounts of money. Last year, it lost $1.8 billion. This year, it will lose more than $2 billion. And it's had a total monopoly on these cars. The story has always been, well, the Model 3, our mass market car, is going to be what transforms this company into a profitable enterprise. The Model 3 is here. It's deeply troubled. Not surprisingly, Tesla, run by a genius, decided they didn't need to do the conventional things. They didn't need to do production part approval process. They didn't need to validate their production line, and they didn't need to do professional beta testing. And these cars have rolled out. The production volumes are much slower than anyone imagined they would be, and certainly than Tesla forecast would be. The car is here, not nearly enough of them, and the take rate seems to be surprisingly low. And the worst thing is this car was promised at $35,000, and you can't buy one right now for more than $50,000, and Tesla is about to raise the price again as it comes out with its all-wheel drive version. The $35,000 Model 3 is likely to be, it will never exist, I don't believe. And all these people who lined up in 2016 to make deposits on these cars, thought they would be getting a $35,000 car with a $7,500 tax credit. So at the end of this, Tesla maybe can achieve something in Q3. Then it has a terrible desert. The only buyers left want a mass market car at a lower price, and Tesla cannot afford to make that car, even if it's capable of manufacturing the car in volume. Meanwhile, competition arrives. Just today, last night, the moratorium was lifted on reviews for the Jaguar I-Pace, which is a luxury competitor. It's getting rave reviews. It will supplant the Tesla as the aspirational electric vehicle. Later this year comes the Audi, and next year you'll have a high-end Mercedes, and you'll have a Porsche e-mission. Meanwhile, at the low end, Hyundai has come forward with its Kona, which is an SUV in contrast to the sedan style of the Model 3 in a market where the sedan is dying a slow death. So there's nothing but a terrible desert ahead for Tesla. It has no new products it can roll out without factories, without capital investments. Sorry, I went on a bit there. No, it's uh, it's very good stuff. Hey, uh, in a minute, we'll get right back to uh, Montana Skeptic and to Tesla. Uh, but this episode of Grant's Interest Rate Observer of the Air is brought to you by our friends at ZipRecruiter. Now, uh, are you hiring? Well, if you are, you probably want to post your position to websites, and then you're waiting and waiting and waiting for the right people to see it. ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply for your job, to your job. You can keep your job, but uh, they're going to apply to occupy the position you're advertising, if that's clear. So these invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter does not stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. So the right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all size trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash grant. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash grant. Uh, what did I say? Oh, ZipRecruiter.com slash grant. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So Evan. Montana, <clears throat> what would you tell somebody who has a deposit for a Model 3 right now? Because in fact, in this room, there is one person who has a deposit on a Model 3 
I'm not going to name names, but what would you tell him sitting in front of you right Somebody now? Somebody without a mic to defend themselves. <laughs> yeah, by the, by the way, it's not me. <laughs> Wait, it's not you, Evan. It's no? not me. Oh, no, no. In Montana, you're not buying one of these pieces. Of... One of these lovely masterpieces. <laughs> so, so what would you tell the gentleman who uh, has not said that he's not... The engineer. <laughs> yeah. The told... engineer. Yeah. I would tell, I have good news and bad news. And since he seems to be a strong person with lots of fortitude, I'll give him the bad news first. Yeah, you can take it. He's an unsecured creditor. <laughs> the good news is that he is still preferred among the unsecured creditors as regards, say, the bondholder. So he, he's only behind the secured creditors, not that there will be anything left to fight over. No, I would say, you know, you've signed on to this tech company, but you should consider uh, when you'll get your car, what your car will cost, what kind of a federal income tax credit will accompany your car, and most importantly, how will this company selling you the car honor its warranty obligations over the coming years? Those are things for you to consider. Meanwhile, check out the Hyundai Kona if that's of interest, or read some of these reviews for the Jaguar I-Pace. Meanwhile, uh, there is an interesting bit of business having to do with uh, SoftBank investing in GM's own driverless automotive platform. Uh, what does that say, if anything, about the competitive landscape? It says a lot, I believe. It, one of the great stock pumping events in the history of Tesla was the news that Tencent had come in and right. purchased stock, you know, in the secondary market. And that caused Tesla's share price to levitate further. And the hope has always been, if you read the Tesla bull case, it's not, well, we'll eventually achieve profitability. And if you value us with the same PE ratio as some other auto company, then we're worth X. That's not the bull case at all. The bull case is we're a technology company. We deserve a PE ratio of 100 or so. And the fact that Tencent is interested in us just proves it. And just you watch, Apple will come along. It will want to acquire us or SoftBank will want to make a big investment and we will be the bleeding edge tech company because we are the leader in mobility and autonomous driving and the integrated energy approach. And in fact, none of that is true. Tesla is a laggard. It is a tiny niche player in the energy storage market, and it is way behind GM and many others when it comes to autonomous driving, which by the way, won't be here for years to come anyway. Tesla has been promising everybody it's got full self-driving hardware on these cars and that they'll be able to upgrade. Utter nonsense. So I think it tells us a great deal. You know what? Uh, Elon is creating this website to name Pravda uh, to rank journalists. I think Charlie aspires to be last, actually, but that's his call. We're duking it out, actually. Right. Uh, he is comparing his production line to an alien dreadnought. He claims to be working on a cyborg dragon. Yeah, who isn't? And tweets about consuming Ambien and wine but he uh, does command credibility in the market. What say you, Montana skeptic? He does, and as I have always said, Tesla cannot be understood as a business enterprise. It must be understood as the new religion of our day. And Elon Musk is the minister of this great church and his congregation is deeply faithful. And unless you acknowledge that there is a religious aspect to this, where we are saving the earth and we are engaged in a Manichaean struggle with these evil fossil fuel companies, you're gonna have a hard time understanding Tesla. Does um, Elon Musk die rich or poor? I don't know. You know Tesla, Tesla himself died poor. He did die poor. Scoundrels always manage to land on their feet. Maybe when the great reorganization comes, he trades 
the stock he's margined for some further interest in the going enterprise, which is much tinier. Yeah, well, the bad grass never dies, or rarely. So in the past, uh, SpaceX has uh, purchased debt from other Musk-affiliated companies. Uh, how are these various businesses uh, affiliated or not? Or, you know, what's, uh, what's the connecting tissue? Well, I think kleptocracy is the connecting <laughs> tissue. So a few years ago, SpaceX loaned money to, which is a beautiful business to be in, uh, get your money from government contracts and loan it to your related private enterprise called Solar City. They loaned several hundred million dollars to Solar City. We get to 2016 and it's evident Solar City is a failing enterprise, no surprise there, even though it too, like Tesla, was you know heavily subsidized, both Solar City and Tesla. And is it's a, it's a, it's a major world religion too. It is part of the world religion, right? We save the energy. We first generate the energy from the sun and then we save it in the Tesla battery and we use it the Tesla car. It's a beautiful thing. So this bailout was engineered in 2016, where Tesla acquired Solar City, and that enabled several things to happen. It enabled Solar City to repay, excuse me, to, yes, to repay SpaceX. Uh, it would have been embarrassing not to be able to do that. And that was done thanks to that acquisition. And it enabled the uh, Musk clan, the Rive brothers and the Musk brothers, to convert their solar city stock to Tesla stock, which is much more liquid. And it kept the entire story going. And indeed, the, the Musk clan was owned a bunch of solar bonds, approximately $165 million, if I recall correctly. And it enabled Tesla to repay lots of that. Some of it's been rolled, but lots of it has been repaid. So it kept the story going. And there's absolutely no justification in any traditional way for that acquisition in terms of fiduciary duty, except this one, that had Solar City failed, then the great aura of Musk, the genius, would have been tarnished. So Montana Skeptic, you are a trial lawyer by trade. What legal opportunities would you see in Tesla if you were still practicing? Well, others have seen them. And uh, there's a just a uh, entire industry, a cottage industry of people suing Tesla for lemon law cars, approximately best calculation, 2% of the cars they produce become the subject of lemon lawsuits, which is an astonishingly high What's number. What's the comp elsewhere? Ford, GM, Subaru? In the 0 0.1, 0.2% area. So this is just a magnitude almost higher. Yes, yes. And um, also, you know, there have been some lawsuits, and there will be more, about Tesla's promises of delivering autopilot and full self-driving capability. They've settled a narrow class action recently, but there are bigger ones pending. There's also a lawsuit pending about that Solar City merger. The thing that has, I think, saved Tesla in a lot of securities lawsuits is that its share price continues to rise, not with almost on the back of bad news it rises. So that's taken, you know, without damages, it's a tough lawsuit. Um, you know, it often happens that uh, the market knows something that the uh, mortals observing the market don't. Is it possible the bears are wrong? Yeah, of course it's possible, and it's really important and difficult to keep that in mind that we could be very wrong. But my conviction is no, the market is nuts. And the market is nuts about Tesla, except with a, the element added of the religion. In the same way, it's nuts about lots of other companies that are hugely overvalued. It's the t ripeness is all. The timing is what is so difficult. Well, you are on record, Montana, is saying that uh, time is the only reliable solvent of idiocy. Now, how much time do you suppose you'll need for Tesla? Well, I'll tell you what my own 
simple. This is this is a hobby for me, okay? And I keep a tiny part of my portfolio in Tesla and I encourage, actively encourage others not to short the company. It's a crowded short, it's a dangerous short. But my own options have expiration dates of January 2020. The further out you can go, the better off you will be. I think Tesla's last big magic trick will come later this year in Q3. And uh, whether it works or not, who can say? But they're gonna lose more than two billion this year and they're going to lose even more than that next year and it will be apparent by the time you get to next year that competition is closed in and that the model three will not save this company well i have a suggestion for you if anybody else asks you that question you know, when, when it's going to happen uh, what i've learned over the years montana's when somebody says for example um so uh jim when is this uh, gold market going to do something i'll say well 2016 and they'll say well, and they'll be so discombobulated by the answer they'll, they'll forgotten the question and we'll move on to something more constructive that's really good very yeah. helpful for just me a, just a thought hey tell us uh, I'm going to ask you a little bit later what you uh, otherwise do for pleasure besides uh, buying Tesla puts. But tell us about your overall investment approach, Tesla being a tiny part of your portfolio, if not of your mind share. Uh, how are your position otherwise, if I may be so bold as to pry? Sure. Uh, in the portfolio I manage, okay, it is dependent on there the, uh, the individual and his preferences and tastes, but we're very conservative. Meredith Whitney did a great kindness to us when we had our big liquidity event and scared everybody out of the muni market. So we loaded up with a huge amount of muni bonds, long dated, scary to own them at that time. Um, very good credits. And uh, those have been a big ballast in the boat and they produce a reliable income stream for us. We're really happy to have them. We have great managers who understand those credits well, as laid no, out. There's no tweeting opportunity and, and munis for Pete's sake, though. It's it's soporific. Yeah. We have also a big um, private equity portfolio that's spread across different managers, different asset classes, different geographies, different durations. And, you know, I we do find that one good way to improve yield is to trade it for liquidity, provided you have capable managers who are doing it. Now, Montana, do you find uh, that uh, these private equity managers add something besides leverage to the companies they buy? If you pick them carefully, uh -huh. they do, mm -hmm. right? We see a lot of them trying to add value with leverage. Let the record show we that Montana like that. is smiling a little bit knowingly, I, I would say. We're happy we did private equity when we did, uh -huh. and we're happy to be scaling it back a little just now as we are. Yeah. Is it your opinion the market is, uh, speaking of the market as a whole, bonds, stocks, what have you, is this the everything bubble? Are you a believer in the everything bubble, or are you a, have a different point of view? I wish I were sagacious enough to give market advice. I read Grant's Interest Rate Observer to get my philosophical views on the market. Oh, and um, <laughs> I, it's enough. It's enough for me to opine about Tesla, isn't it? And uh, I, I think that's that's really good. If you, could you say that bit again about Grant's? <laughs> It is, it, it, and this no, is no joke, and I've told Charlie Grant this. Uh, Grant's interest rate observer, to me, sets the standard for the finest writing style, an inimitable writing style in the entire financial press well, world. Uh, so uh, this episode of Grant's interest rate observer of the air is brought to you not only by ZipRecruiter, but also by, you know, by like Grant's, and by, Ch by Charlie Grant. It's getting a little incestuous. Evan, I think you had a question. Yeah, so Tesla seems to scale losses with revenue. So it doesn't seem like the business itself is generating profit or maybe has value in the traditional sense. But when you look across its patents, its uh, its brands, its gigafactory, is there value in this company and kind of what is that value? Like if you write down the bonds to the underlying value that you see in the company, what would that be? It would be close to zero. What value is there in Tesla's patents? Tesla has very few patents relative to other people in the EV business, okay? There's nothing, just nothing that 
Tesla built its cars based on the EV1 from GM, which and it lo loves to run down GM. The Tesla is, is based on the EV1. The Gigafactory, which is one third the size promised, by the way, is now locked into, it talk about a manacles on Tesla. It's Panasonic's factory. It's one-third the size it's supposed to be. It manufactures these lithium-ion cells when everybody else making EVs is moving to a pouch uh, a configuration. And the deal is this, that Tesla has committed to buy a certain volume from Panasonic. And every time Tesla makes an order, Panasonic buys the equipment and Tesla becomes obligated to pay Panasonic back plus a return on Panasonic's investment, not to mention the cost of the goods. So if there's somebody really worried right now, it's got to be Panasonic. They have orders. Tesla said, we're going to have 100,000 to 200,000 Model 3s by the end of 2017. We'll be building them at the rate of at least a quarter million a year this year. Not even close. But Panasonic has been there dutifully making the cells, thinking this would happen. And I am told there are cells stacked to the ceiling at the Gigafactory. And the ceilings are tall there. So I don't see any great value there. The brand, yes, the brand has value unless it continues to be eroded by all the corners Tesla's cutting. Well, Montana, thank you. This is, I, I'd say that this is a pretty much all you have to know about Tesla. I'm going to go and be just as bold as that. So uh, Montana Skeptic, thank you for joining us. And uh, Eric, you can make a, the engineer can make a call after we finish. Not now about that deposit. Evan, thank you for being here. Philip Grant, thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here as well. Talk to you next time. This is Jim Grant for Grant's Interest Rate Observer. Mm -hmm.